And this is Downstage Left, a theater podcast where we talk a little, laugh a lot, and know nothing. We know nothing. Lauren, how's it going? It's going great, Karen. I'll be honest. Uh, A crazy time. Busy, as usual, at this time of year. But, like, generally pretty great. (laughs) Sure. It's an amazing... uh, It's cooler nights. Yeah. Uh, It snowed the other day. Did it? It did. We're doing great. Uh, What do you have for us today? Okay, so I have a deep dive today. I'm really excited to talk about it because this is a show that I have never seen, but I've done a lot of like weird research on it. Okay. Uh, It is a musical called Bring Back Birdie. Okay. (laughs) And I just, the musical like sequel idea to me is such a goofy thing. And so this is a sequel to Bye Bye Birdie. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So um, I just, I think that it's such a like weird concept and uh, we're going to talk a lot about it. I'm first going to give us all a brief overview of Bye Bye Birdie in case you um, sure. do not know it. I mean, let's let's kind of, I'm trying to think in the like history of musicals, not a ton of sequels. No, not that many. Uh, I think for a good reason. And it's... I think so too. They're not good, but... <laughs> I'm trying to think, I mean, of course, maybe the most recent is Phantom mm-hmm. and Love Never Dies. Mm-hmm. And we will talk about that potentially in a future episode, but... Yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, I mean, they did all the high school musicals, but certainly never, none of that ever went to Broadway. No. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other musical, uh, like if there are any other musical sequels. I think Annie had one. I think so too. Uh, but I don't remember anything about it. Cause again, I don't think the sequels are usually very successful. Um, and off the top of my head, I can't think of any others. Aside well, from these and I two. guess we should, we should say too, like. Surely there are more, but very rare that they get the same, like, Broadway treatment or make it onto sort of that same acclaim or that type of stuff. So, you know, like, they, like, they exist, but sometimes, like, in the movie world, like, a straight-to-DVD kind of, kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like there was Grease, and then there was Grease 2, and, like... Sure, which is (laughs) amazing. That exists. That's fine. Uh, One of my favorites. Sure, the Annie one is called Warbucks. Fine, great. Which, sure, uh, fun. What a fun time. Annie Warbucks, uh, really pulling out the rest of what happens in that story. Um, let's see, I'm pulling up a, potentially an old uh, forum here on Broadway World, because sometimes that's helpful. There's a sequel to The Best Little Whorehouse in Te- Texas. Oh, um, a couple for Annie, Annie Two and Annie Warbucks. Oh boy! Uh, Love Never Dies, Bring Back Birdie, which obviously we're going to talk about. Grease Two, which was a movie and never adapted to the stage, um, and really not very many in here. So, I mean, again, as you said, potentially for a reason. Yeah. So weird. All right. Um. So, so this is a sequel to Bye Bye Birdie, a show that you're familiar with because you were in it. Correct. Uh, Let's maybe, maybe we do a little, a quick little synopsis of that show and, and so we can get kind of into it. Yeah. So here is um, a synopsis of Bye Bye Birdie from stageagent.com. And it says, the year is 1958 and the much adored rock and roll idol Conrad Birdie has been drafted into the U.S. Army. His songwriter and agent Albert and Albert's secretary and longtime girlfriend Rosie hatch a plan for a farewell performance to take place on the Ed Sullivan Show, which they hope will sell Birdie's new song, One Last Kiss, and ultimately save Alma Lou Records from going under. To cap off the performance, Birdie will get, actually give One Last Kiss to Kim McAfee, an avid member of the Conrad Birdie fan club from Sweden. Apple, Ohio. 
When Albert and Rosie head to Sweet Apple to prepare for Bertie's arrival, things start to unravel. Kim's father is starstruck at the thought of being on the Ed Sullivan show with his daughter. Kim's new steady Hugo gets jealous at the thought of Kim kissing Conrad on national television. And the plot unfolds from there. Uh, famous show. It uh, premiered sometime in, like, I think the 60s. 1960, I think, was when it um, debuted on Broadway. So, um, you know, some might call it beloved. I enjoy it, uh, even though some of the script is a little outdated now. When we were doing it in 2019, there were some jokes that we were like, well, we don't understand this. None of us understand this joke. Sure. So, and then there's some things that are very, like, hmm, misogynistic. Well, sometimes those, I mean, here's the thing. And I think what's interesting is I think we become more aware of this as we continue to evolve as a society. Yeah. But a lot of those Golden Age musicals and a little bit past, so like 50s, 50s, 60s, you know, when they were still kind of churning them out, uh, don't translate as well to sort of 2021. And you find yourself kind of making some edits and doing things like that. And a lot of the big rights companies also, I think, recognize this and have and have made some edits to them where there's just a little bit more care or at least, the, you know, a line thrown in by a random character that's like, hey, that's not good. Yeah. Or <laughs> this, oh, is terrible. this is bad, I think. And then yeah. you kind of move on. But a lot of those... And Bertie, slightly less, although potentially there's, like, a lot of thematic, like, racism a little yep. in there. And yes. uh, interestingly, things that we should still be talking about today. However, I think in a weird way, Bertie does still have a lot of, like, uh, I think contemporary themes about, mm-hmm. like, um, popularity and fame mm-hmm. and sort of all those things and, and fitting in and, and all that adolescent stuff. So it's yeah. it's a fun show to still do, I think, today, but certainly has some references that yeah. are confusing time. And, and you know what? There are ways to, like, work around it. Like, Albert has this weird rant in the second act that's supposed to be very romantic, but it, like, comes off and he's like, I am a woman and you should, or I am a man and you should obey me. And Rosie's like, sorry, what? And, like, the way we did it, it was just kind of a thing where he made himself look very stupid by saying all right. the things. And he kind of turned to the audience and was like, give me a minute. <laughs> like, yep. I'm going to tell her I love her. Just give me a sec. So it was funny. Um, but yeah, that's, those are ways to sort of combat the, okay, so the stuff. So, we, so I think the important thing is how do we, how does the show end? Because that, the sequel obviously sure. may be picking up from that. So. Uh, good, good point. Uh, so in, in the end, uh, Hugo and Kim end up together because Hugo has punched Conrad Bernie in the face. That's right. Uh, Conrad Bernie escapes the draft, I think. Sure. I think he dodges the draft. Yep. Um, but maybe goes back. I'm not sure. He, like, gets on this train disguised as... Oh, no, he doesn't dodge the draft. He just, like, dodges the fan club because he's disguised as um, Albert's Conrad Bernie fan club, yeah. Yeah, he, he gets away from them that way. Um, Albert and Rosie get engaged... And that is the end of the show. Okay. So that's... So that's where we're potentially picking up with <laughs> with this next... With uh, Ber- Bring Birdie... Bring Back Birdie? Bring Back Birdie. Okay. So, a little context before we get into the plot. Um, it was... It premiered in 1981. Um, starring Cheetah Rivera. Sure. Who was the original Rosie. Original Rosie. Yep. Um, and it closed after four performances. Oh. <laughs> four. That's it. Oh, no. Four performances. Uh, 31 previews somehow. They made it through 31 of those previews and then four performances and they were like, nah, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm really excited to tell the tell you the plot of this musical. Sure. Well, and it's funny because the 80s were right around 
sort of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's, I feel like his sort of renaissance was like coming up through about that time. Yeah. And so maybe this was just, you know, just like didn't make the cut in terms of what audience were audiences were willing to kind of see. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is shocking. And uh, we'll maybe talk about this uh, another time. But I have this great book that I either bought myself or someone bought it for me. I cannot remember. But it is basically a bunch of, like, Broadway flops. It just talks about flops. But one of the things they all have in common is a lot of them, like, I think sometimes when we think of flops, it's like, well, the story was bad. The music was terrible. Um, I recently just watched the Diana musical, which we will do on this podcast. Great. And that is an example of, like, the lyrics are a rough time. Yeah. <laughs> um, in general, the show was a rough time. Um, mm-hmm. But sure, sure. what is interesting and in a commonality, a lot of these shows that flop like this, where they only had four performances and out, is it's funny because it has, like, all the components you would think would make a successful show. So, like, good writing, uh, a solid storyline, a star, Cheetah Rivera, obviously huge. Huge. Uh, and then they just, whatever, they can't find that special sauce that created the first one, which... Obviously, the original Bye Bye Birdie opened in the 60s, as you said, went on to win, like, four Tonys and mm-hmm. just is, like, uh, just an amazing show. So, it's always interesting to me to hear about when they close, when you're like, yeah, but they had good people. Like, what happened? I think the plot is nuts. Um, sure. And I also think, I'm not convinced that the music is, like, I haven't listened to a lot of it, but okay. what I've heard, I was like, mm, okay. okay. Um, I will say... I discovered this the other day when I was, like, browsing musicals on Concord. You can do it. Like, you can really? produce it. And if, like, the rights are available if you want to take that risk for yourself. Of course. Uh, I I was joking with my bud who played Albert when we were in it. And I was like, man, this is this is our next thing we do. Where you, <laughs> you and I are Albert back? Rosie again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, just looking, I'm just looking right now. Because Cheetah Rivera and then Donald O'Connor, who... Yeah. Um, I think people will potentially best know him from Singing in the Rain. He mm. played Cosmo Gene Kelly's BFF. Yeah. And just, but like a very talented and well-known performer also, like kind of in his heyday and then and further on. So not a cast of unknowns, not like anything. Um, just very kind of an interesting time. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I forgot too, at the end of Bye Bye Birdie, they get on a train, Albert and Rosie, right. to Pumpkin Falls, Iowa, so that That's right. Conrad can be or um, Albert can become a, an English teacher. Sure, that is something that he has apparently wanted all all along, and so has Rosie. Um, so that's fine. I think it's a it's in the first one. It's a big. They literally sing a whole song about it. Sure do. But it's his uh, thing where he's trying to get out of like the entertainment business, so he can just go live sort of a humdrum, you know, like regular life. Regular life in Iowa, the most regular place you can be. Correct. <laughs> so here we go. <clears throat> okay. Here's Act One. <clears throat> and again. Uh, just gonna shout out Wikipedia for this sure. fantastic Our, synopsis. The best place for us of Our all time. Best source ever. All right, Act One: A storyteller begins, and this is a quote from the story. This like I think a narrator. Is, this has got to be the narrator. Oh no! So this is it. This is what the narrator says. Once upon a time, should I read? Never mind. I was gonna say, should I use a transatlantic accent? But I don't want to. Nope. Uh, once upon a time, so so long ago that New York City hadn't been bankrupt once. I don't know what that means. There lived a young man in the music business named Albert Peterson, who loved his secretary, Rose. His only client, a rock and roll idol known as Conrad Conrad Birdie, uh, was being drafted into the army, 
and Rose wanted Albert to give up the music business, marry her, and become an English teacher. Alas, Albert's mother, a fr- this is just a synopsis. I was just going to say, so basically they're just doing a big old recap of the first this show. This is it. We didn't need to tell you any of this stuff. Sure. For a lady with the same endearing quality as a Snow White stepmother, huh, that's a funny line, opposed the match, but love triumphed, Conrad vanished, mother was banished, Albert married Rose, and became an English teacher, and they lived happily ever after. And then in parentheses it says, ominous chord, till now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it, we, and we, so the original, that is one of the big plot points, is Albert's mother is like, he's very much a mama's boy in a way where she is just all up in his business. She doesn't like Rose. Nah. And so that's kind of one of the big things is him standing up to her and like, getting out from under that um which was like a kind of a funny trope back then but okay so yeah. so so the story begins with a once upon a time narration a which synopsis. is very yeah. interesting <laughs> and then essentially a, an entire synopsis of the first show yeah and then an ominous chord to bring us into the present yes. which obviously there has to be a conflict otherwise what a boring show can you imagine they're just yep. like he's teaching english the end great um okay albert and rose are burglarizing their old office looking for the <laughs> sure right. why, why? Yeah. Yeah. i don't know they are looking for the contract that will put them on the trail of conrad birdie Bertie disappeared 18 years ago, and Albert has been offered $20,000 if he can get him to perform on a Grammy Awards special, along with other giant recording stars of yesterday. Oof. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, well, in a way <laughs> where... Okay. I, and, and I'm going to stop interrupting as much, but in no, a way no, where the kind of charm of the original Bertie that I think still exists today is that it takes place in the 60s, and it's like this kind of like wholesome like, very kind of wholesome feel to it that I think existed then. Yeah. So we are not going to try to merge that with the commercial and materialism of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was just starting when this came out, but, like, certainly a much different feel mm-hmm. than sort of the 60s and, and sort of what it represented in these, like, small towns. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, Albert is eager to return to the music business, because that teaching thing apparently didn't work out. Okay, um, But Rose is unhappy about it. Yeah, because the whole time... Fine. Uh, Sure. (laughs) The hard thing for me is going to be, like, reading this and not, like, trying to defend Rose because I had, you know... You know played her. You played her. I do, like, a backstory for all my characters. So there were a lot of layers to, like, my opinions about Rosie. Sure. Uh, Anyway. Uh, Rose is unhappy about it. Albert is almost convinced to give up. Then, Matobi, I believe is how you say his name. I am not sure. Uh, The fly-by-night detective appears. And to Rose's disgust finds the old contract. Albert notes that Bertie is at the El Coyote Club, Bent River Junction, Arizona, and tells Rosie that they m- will head for Arizona immediately. So we're going. Wait, I'm sorry, and I might have missed this. What, she? Why doesn't he want to be an English teacher anymore? Or he's just... He do- does, it doesn't say. Oh, he just is done. He's just out. After 18 years. <laughs> is, okay, yeah, great. Eager to return to the music business. Um, that's it. That's. But I okay. think maybe he has been offered $20,000 to sure. get Bertie to sing of this thing. Uh, fine. <clears throat> in Forest Hills, we don't know where Forest Hills is, no. Jenny, the Peterson's 16-year-old daughter, has her own plan for leaving home, and Albert Jr., who is 14, is a budding guitarist. Amazing. Obviously. Rose is in the kitchen, like you do, contentedly doing her housewifely chores laden with boxes of cheer, joy, and yes, 
I don't know what that means either. I think those are song titles, but I'm okay. not sure. Uh, I think maybe that's like part of a song. Okay. Rose reluctantly agrees to help Albert find Conrad, but for 10 days and tells the children that they will stay in New Jersey while they are away. Okay, so what is that? Forest Hills is New Jersey. Okay. Um, I, I just want to say, I just did a little math, and $20,000 is like a lot of money. It is equivalent today to about sixty grand, sixty-five grand. Oh sure. Okay. So I guess that's like a lot on a teacher's salary. That's probably. I mean, that's a lot. That's a well, lot. And here's but, the thing. <laughs> back in the day, they in the first play, their first musical, they talk about how like teaching is such a well-respected position. Sure. And like the music, like being a producer in the music industry is not. And I just find that well, to be what hilarious. a fun time <laughs> yeah. to put that through the lens of 2021. Yeah. I was just like, so when we were working on it back in the day, I was like, wow, this is hysterical to me. Because, sure. Perhaps not the same feelings now, but right. what a fun time. Yeah. And that, I think that is like the thing, the assumption is like, man, teachers, they make more money than the music people. They, they oh. <laughs> now they okay. Don't. Well, sure. So maybe that's why he's like, I got to get back to music because I can see where teaching is going. Sure. Not great. Okay. Um, in the bus terminal, Albert has arranged a spontaneous demonstration by the Youth of America demanding the return of Conrad Birdie. <clears throat> okay, so I just want to say, because we're comparing, <laughs> sure. that literally happens in the first It does. Movie, in the first show. <laughs> they show up. He and they does sing. a thing at the train station. I mean, we've modernized to get to like a bus now. Yep. Which that bus isn't also in the 60s, so that's fine. But, yep. um,. Uh, is this? I mean, we're gonna find out. Is this just a retreading of the of the first show? Unclear at this right. time. Uh, we, okay, maybe keep <laughs> maybe. going. Uh, Matobi. I I really Matobi? think I'm seeing his name right. It's M T O B E. So I'm gonna keep calling him Matobi, sure. but I don't know if that's wrong. And I'm sure. so sorry. Hey, bring back Birdie fans. Real sorry if you were at us one about of the it. We don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if you've ever seen it. Uh, could not figure out how to like pronounce this dude's name. I'm so sorry. Sure. All right. Matobi, who will do anything for a fee, appears to sing Bring Back Birdie, the song Albert has written for the occasion. Rose and Albert board their bus to Tucson, believing that Jenny and Albert are on their bus to Cousin Alice's. Instead, Jenny, angry that her mother has vetoed her plan to live with her boyfriend, oh, what a twist, is intrigued by a saffron-robed lady who says, come march with the Reverend Sun, sister, and find fulfillment. Sure. (laughs) 70s and 80s, a big time for cults. Yeah. Like a very, very, the 70s especially, and then early 80s. Cults everywhere. Cults, televangelists, what a time. Yes. Um, Jenny does, and her brother joins a punk rock band and takes off to fulfill his destiny. Okay, I'm I'm gonna just <laughs> say it. Like we're very early into your into your deep This is dumb. Is I like dumb. I'm I'm sorry. I don't sorry if, to all those birdie like purists out there, but this is du- this is why this only did four shows. Yeah, there are four performances that everyone was like what? Because like, this isn't good. This All is right. very stupid. Uh, dude, I can't. I'm, like, enjoying this so much. Sure. Keep going. <laughs> In the black desert near Bent River Junction, Arizona, while Rose struggles with their luggage, Albert assures her... Which also happened to the first one! Correct! And it was always me, like, I got 400 suitcases and I'm pushing this cart. It was, like, sure. a whole thing. Albert assures her, and this is a song title, Baby, you can count on me. So, that's fine. Great. They find the El Coyote Club, a noisy western saloon, Okay, <laughs> the site of Conrad's last gig, and the bartender turns out to be May Peterson, Albert's long-lost mother. Because <laughs> why? Why not? I mean... Why not? Okay. 
Yeah. Contrived. Keep going. Yeah. Who, true to form, insults Rose at every opportunity. You know, because she's terrible. Great. Fine. Um, May seems to know something about Conrad's whereabouts, so Albert leaves with her to consult her files. Rose has a drink with... This is this literally happens in the first musical as well. Rose has a drink with the resident cowboys and explains why she puts up with Albert uh, in a song called A Man Worth Fighting For. Okay. Which really gives me some real Mulan vibes, if I'm being honest. Sure. <laughs> uh, after Rose does a rousing dance with the boys, Albert returns to report sure, that... Sure, Shriners. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, yep. Shriners, really. Albert returns to report that Mayor C.B. Townsend might be able to help in the search. So this is, I mean, it's like... Almost at least beat for beat the yeah. same as the first one. <laughs> Except it's instead of Shriners, it's now Cowboys. Cowboys, which correct. Which is fine. Um, which also was a weird 80s thing in which uh, we America took a fascination with the cowboy in the late 70s and 80s in which they really, like, uh, not only a cowboy, but like an urban cowboy. Literally yeah, a movie. Look it up. But they really, we like got a fascination with like rough and tumble men and like Marlboro Man was huge. I mean, like, yeah. as an icon and a logo for a cigarette company, of course, but he was, like, a mascot for that. In the same way, like, Flo for Progressive or Jake from State Farm now, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the Marlboro Man. Love it. All right, so the mayor, a dignified, paunchy Western politician, can't recall Mr. Birdie. You know. Fine. Um, he is, sorry to cut the interview short, but must meet the Citizens Committee to draft him for the Senate. As Albert and Rose turn to leave, the mayor burps. All right. Uh, and Albert rushes back into the office. Could Conrad be the mayor? He is. Sure. And, <laughs> and this is a plot point. Like, this is one of those things you would have to know. You, you would have, have had to have seen the first one. <laughs> In which uh, Conrad drinks a Coke. No, a beer. A beer at like two in the morning, at at nine o'clock in the morning, and then just lets out a burp. A huge belch. Correct. And that's like a huge plot point in the first musical. Correct. And it, oh my God. And so that's how they recognize him is he burps. Amazing. Great. (laughs) The writing is just classic. Albert rushes back to the office. Could Conrad be the mayor? He is. And we find out why as the mayor sings... You can never go. Oh, and we find out why he's the mayor as the mayor sings, you can never go back. Sure. Okay. Again, what happened to the draft? Whatever. Fine. It's been 18 years. But Albert manages to convince Conrad to try a comeback. They book him to appear at a rock concert following oh, the following night at University Stadium and manage to cram Conrad into the old gold suit and shove him on stage. I imagine this is like when, like, when you see Albert or um, Elvis impersonators sure. that are like real fat, that's what well, I feel like this is. In a way where I mean, in the original, Conrad is sort of an Elvis figure. Yeah, like that's you, the vibes you get off of him are very Elvisy. Yeah, yeah. And what we're it sounds like we're treading upon is eighteen years later. He's not the fit, handsome man. Nah. he maybe once was. He's put on a few. He's paunchy. And now instead of like embracing that. <laughs> They're trying to shove his body back into a suit that doesn't fit. Gold pants. Uh, I always go back to uh, Fat Man in a Little Coat. <laughs> That's uh, what I was thinking. A classic Chris Farley bit from Tommy Boy. Love it. Uh, go Google that in the YouTube machine and look it up. But That's it's great. Excellent. That is what I think of when I think of things like this. Yeah. I, or a more, uh, uh, potentially a more uh, recent, if you've seen Black Widow. Uh, oh my god, When yes. the red, I uh, forget his name, but when he's trying to get back in his old suit and he's like, it still fits yeah, and comes David back Harper. out. Yeah, <laughs> It's a similar, I assume it's a similar thing to that. Yeah. Yes. So good. Um, anyway, so here he is. He burps, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
They shove him on stage where he begins to sing one of his old numbers. But the 1981 kids boo him off the stage. Sure. They've come to hear the new punk rock group Filth. And don't want a 1962 retread like Birdie. Conrad, hurt, runs out. Sure, because when you're going to see Filth, you ain't got time for Conrad. Well, that seems like not his fault, though. That seems like just bad booking. It is bad booking. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Rose has learned that her children are not at Cousin Alice's and is worried. Sure. I mean, great parenting. Good good job. Way to get in there, Rose. Um, Her concern deepens when she discovers that disguised in a pink hair nope disguised in pink hair and dark glasses the guitarist for filth is none other than albert jr remember he's 14 years old just in case anyone forgot sure (laughs) in a way where i guess that was maybe so if this was released in 80 80s are also when we sort of started figuring out about like stranger danger Mm -hmm. kids being kidnapped all those things like this is when we sort of started to think about that stuff but like in a very still abstract way where as a child who grew up in the 80s, like, definitely allowed to just, like, ride my bike around places. And, like, we had bound... My friend and I just talked about this, who we grew up together, but we had, like, boundaries. Like, you couldn't go past this street and this yeah. street. You had to stay here. But, like, truly, we would still... You would still be, like... You'd still be, like, bye, see you in, like, two hours, yep. and then you would just go. And we didn't say where we were. We didn't have cell phones and all that stuff, but... As, like, news coverage and things like that began to grow, yeah, it became a thing where stranger danger. But if this is the beginning of that time, I'm not surprised to hear a 14-year-old is in a punk band playing. But, like, a punk band that, like, the whole stadium was there to see. Sure, implying that that? he's, like, been in it for (laughs) a minute and they've gotten some, like, notoriety and some popularity. I don't, like, what? Okay. Um, so, that's fine. She, uh, grabbing her son and interrupting the concert... That's kind of how Rose does. If you sure. remember at the end of Act One, uh, Bye Bye Birdie, she interrupts like a telecast and she's like, whatever, Albert, Correct. you're on TV or some shit and like walks off stage. So, fine. <clears throat> uh, Rose angrily tells Albert she's going to find Jenny, their daughter, who has, quote, gone off ringing bells somewhere. She's going to reunite the family and go home. Albert, delighted to be back in showbiz, scarcely hears her. This is classic Albert. Like, sure. Well, in a way where 18 years later still has not evolved or changed. No. Why would he? He's Albert Peterson. Um, Anyway, so he scarcely hears hears her and blithely ignores threats of million-dollar lawsuits from the company, uh, the concert manager, uh, and an NBC executive who is counting on Conrad for the Grammy show. Mm. Albert explains his euphoria in a song called back in showbiz again and the first act ends with albert in deep trouble and without rose to get him out of it again classic albert sure that's act one but also that's how i feel like that's how they it all that's how the first show kind of went too where where she's like mad at him mad at him and he's like he's around and it's like this crazy time and she's like i'm not i'm goodbye yeah not helping your ass anymore see you later okay she pieces out so again we there's a formula that they have tried to follow here fine all right here's act two albert suddenly realizes the mess he's in good good job he's doing his best man <laughs> I mean, way to get in there he's doing it he signed a contract to deliver conrad who has run away and he's being sued right and left again this is exactly what happens in the first musical sure um may appears with a tall beautiful young woman which also happens in the first show sure does great um, 
I need Rose, Albert Wales. Also happens in the first show. She's the only one that can help me. Also happens in the first show. Uh, Call me Rose number two, says the young woman, who is a combination of a lawyer, financial expert, and Wonder Woman. Okay. (laughs) What does that mean? Great. Cool. She quickly disperses Albert's adversaries with legal skill, fast talk, and karate. Okay, so this is an upgrade in which also, I guess, true to the times, the 80s were also a weird time where, like, women were starting to be empowered. Yeah. So you see, like, if you look at sort of 80s movies at that time, there's a lot of, like, movies where women are not taking it anymore and they're trying to get ahead in the corporate world. And uh, Working Girl is a great one. Melanie Griffith and I think Harrison Ford. And it's, like, a great movie. But it's basically that where these women are starting to, like, become empowered so, in an effort, I suppose, to upgrade, in the first show, um, Albert's mother brings kind of, like, a dumb, like, kind of a dumb secretary, like, yeah. very stereotypical. She's, like, to a be, tap dancer. To, yeah, to, like, to, like, <laughs> woo Albert away from Rose. In this one, we've upgraded because it is the 80s, and so we are trying to be, like, women can do stuff, too. Yeah, sure they but can. But in the same terrible, terrible way, because now, in the first one... It was, they were not even engaged. They were just nah, dating. But now they've there. been married for, like, 20 years. Yes! So maybe, ma'am, a time She's to, like, worst. give up the goat. Like, nah. it's, they're together. Like, just accept it, embrace it, move on. Yeah. So, um, this character, the legal skill, fast talk karate, she is literally just refer- referred to as Rose 2. Amazing. And, fam, let me tell you, this is my new dream role. <laughs> sure, Rose 2. I love her. Sure. Um... Albert, rationalizing that after all, Rose has left him, starts to fall for Rose too, which is like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, what? That escalated Albert! so quickly <laughs> where, okay. I'm so upset. Sure. Fine. Um, at the compound of Reverend Son, a... Uh, oh, this is a cult. This, this is, is the, a this is the cult, cult where they, they found Jenny, yep. who is their daughter. A group of spaced out acolytes chant and sing inner peace. Rose is infiltrated their midst to rescue Jenny by dancing them into a frenzy. You know, like you do when you're Cheetah Rivera. And manages to... I was going to say, that, <laughs> right, that's a thing where they're like, well, we got Cheetah Rivera back. What should we... Well, we should put a huge dance number. Got to do right? a dance number. Okay. Yeah, it's... Yeah. So sure. that's fine. Uh, manages to grab Jenny and escape. So that was quick. Fine. Great. Two sentences. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back in Bent River, Bent River Junction, Rose, too, has faked the death of Conrad to evade NBC's oh. wrath. I'm telling you, Rose, too, man. I mean, here's She's the thing. badass. As far as plans go, probably a little flawed, but, but efficient still. and gets Think the job on done. your feet. So, yeah. So she fends off skeptical reporters. The, quote, dead Conrad sits up, drinks a beer, says he's decided to announce his passing was a mistake. But first, he's going to observe his own funeral pageant. Sure. I mean, kind of a dream, right? A little bit. Like, here's the thing. Uh, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. But is in, dumb. A, in a way where, right, we all maybe have, like, that secret where we would like to observe our funeral just to see, like, who comes. What do they say about me? What do they say? Are people upset? Is it, like, a packed house? Is it, like, four people? Yeah. Is it people being like, oh, thank God? Or is it, like... <laughs> You know, so, like, in a fun, like, wish fulfillment kind of way, I, I get this. I, yeah. I, like, I understand what he's doing. All right. Fine, Conrad. I see you. I see you. Um, yeah. Rose, too, prevents this by locking Conrad in a closet 
and we hear the Tucson Tabernacle Choir, led by Matobi, uh, and they sing a song called There's a Brand New Beat in Heaven. Fun. <laughs> so good. Rose, the first one, Rosie, if you will, returns with Jenny to find Albert completely smitten with the gorgeous and efficient Rose, too. What a time. I mean, here's the thing. Divorce him. He, you should have married him in the first place. Your children are mostly grown. You're the 14-year-old who maybe still needs parental help. Yeah. Uh, is in a band that's doing great, so he doesn't need you. Nah, he might be Let him be emancipated, and then get out of there and live your life. Yes. Uh, Rosie. Get your... Yeah. He uh, tells his astonished wife he's trading her in for the newer model. What garbage is it? Sure, so he's not even like, I thought you left me, I want to be with you. He's like, okay. See you later. Great. Again, I'd like to see the script, because, like, what does the script say? Sure. This is why there were only four performances, guys. Uh in one of many reasons. Instead of falling apart, Rose shows her metal by singing and dancing the defiant number titled Well, I'm Not. I want to hear that song. I don't know the song. I want to hear it. My goodness. Sure, there's a cast recording of this, for sure. Yeah, I should just take a listen. Um, I wonder if this is, like, the equivalent of the Spanish Rose number. Um, Is this the 11 o'clock? Oh, I was going to say, it feels like based on where we are in the show that this was probably the 11 o'clock Gotta be close to 11 o'clock. Yep. Um, Albert Jr., Jenny, and their young friends comment on the craziness of their elders, and uh, they sing the song called When Will Grown Ups Grow Up, which I assume is like gotta be like kids reprise. Uh-huh. Very cute. Albert hears this and realizes he's made a mistake. Rushing to the motel where May and Rose are staying, he finally stands up to his mother, again, and demands to see Rose. I, this is a quote, I was a jackass to ever waste my time with that other Rose. There's only one Rose in the world I love, worship, and adore, he tells her. Uh, just help me get Conrad through the Grammy show, and it's back to Forest Hills forever. Rose, God damn it, Rose. Rose accepts. They kiss. Rose, he yells, I'm, <laughs> I'm a tiger again. And Albert sings and dances a song called Young. What? What? <sighs> what? I mean... What? So part of the charm of, like, the first one (laughs) is that it is about, like, contemporary people. So, like, in terms of age. So, Mm -hmm. like, uh, Conrad is, like, young, hip, and cool. The teenagers in that show are, like, very teenager-y. Like, Mm -hmm. they're in love with their idol and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sneak out from the house. There is a parent ensemble in that show also that is, like, represents that side of it. And then you sort of have, like, Albert and Rosie are almost in the middle. They're, like, 30s, we'll say. Yeah. Like, we, we don't know. Yeah. Um, in the script, we Albert is described as 30. Because right. in the first scene, she's like, you're 30 years old, Albert. You can take right. the last one. They're meant to be, like, 30s. Mm-hmm. And so now it's an interesting thing where, and perhaps why this didn't do well, I don't know if we're as interested in seeing a show about middle-aged people having some sort of crisis. Yeah, yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. I don't know if that's the exciting, exciting part of it where... In the original, their story is, like, the main focus, and then the kid stuff is all, like, B-plot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Kim Kim McAfee falling in love with Conrad and then realizing that the idol is not who she thought he was, but she loves Hugo, the hometown boy next door. Yeah. You know, that that's the B-plot of it, truly. The the A-plot is Albert's story and what is he, what's he doing. And this one, to make Albert's the A-plot, again, seems fine, except for it seems... When he's 30 and indecisive, 
it's more I don't know acceptable when you you're 50 and been married for 20 years you're just this an idiot bad yeah like this feels bad stupid in which you cannot there is no like good explanation to be like well nah. he's working it out this is a time when whatever you know when you're in your 30s this is what you're working it out no not when you're in your 50s I feel like no, and, and it just becomes gross like you're no longer like well he got tempted and went back and Rosie loves him now it's just like sad on both ends where yeah. you're like well you got tempted and you like abandoned your wife of 20 years that you have two children with stupid and then you Rosie took him back which yeah. is also like a sad time bad choice get a divorce yeah so I don't know that that part of it mm-hmm. doesn't work I think in the age group that they're now in that did work in sort of a will-they-won't-they-end-up-together kind of way in the first one. Yeah, that's true. And, you, like, you root for them in the first one. Right. And in this one, I don't... I'm not... I mean, no. I'm reading the plot, but I'm not rooting for them at yeah. all. Uh, we, we are like, please get divorced. This is, yeah. This is a bad We're just be like, it's not... We're not meant for this. We have two great kids, and yeah. we'll co-parent and be together, but, like, this is not for us. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, at the TV studio near airtime, Conrad announces that he's not going to appear. It seems that after his, quote, funeral, uh, he called a press conference to announce his recovery and millions of letters poured in. Uh, The Citizens Committee decided to not nominate me for the Senate. They're going to let me run for president instead. And wouldn't it be proper, wouldn't it be proper for the next president to shake it up on TV, he says. Um, Sure, consternation ensues. Sure, which is also (laughs) hilarious because in the 80s, we would go on to have a president who was a movie star. Yep. Yes. Amazing. The NBC executive demands that Conrad Birdie, uh, for a reason, for a reasonable facsimile, be on that stage in 20 minutes or else. Sure. But no old record star stars are available. May appears and says, would you take Dolores Zapal? Zapal? I don't know how to say that. Um, she asks, um... Zaypal from the t- the toast of the twenties. Sure, I'd take her. She disappeared fifty years ago. Says Mr. NBC. I mean, uh, okay, that's is... his name, Mr. NBC. Sure. Um, May Coyley says she's back, and a shocked Albert says, "Mama, you in showbiz?" And then she goes, "Only until I married your father, Sonny Boy." Fine. So Who May isn't in the first show, nah, by the way. So we, he's it's dead. an absentee father. No, no, I think he's dead. Oh, okay. Uh, she talks about um, oh, how yeah. it was like the drink that killed him because he oh. got got run over by a beer truck. Sure. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, which is a very cute little like bit in her monologue. Um, May steps in and saves the Grammy show with her singing and dancing rendition of her 1925 hit, I Love Em All. Fine. Albert gets his $20,000. Uh, and then one surprise remains. Zaypal, muses Rose, is an unusual name. It's Hungarian, I think, replies May. Spelled backwards, <sighs> it's Lopez says says Rose, May, you're Spanish. And May, trapped, admits that, in fact, she is Spanish. What the fuck? Uh, she embraces a very reluctant Rose, and Conrad rushes on. Albert, I couldn't let you down, old buddy. It means giving up the presidency, but if the country can take it, so can I. Conrad appears in the show, and they sing a song called Bring Back Birdie. And then Albert and Rosie sing a song called Happy 20 Years, followed by a reprise of Rosie, which is the same song that brought down the curtain 20 years ago on Bye Bye Birdie. Lots to unpack in that last two scenes. Okay, I mean, <laughs> Your face looked like you were, thing. like, writing a document. Well, I just am, like, taking it all in. Here <laughs> is the thing. Um, it's a lot <clears throat> because it doesn't actually address anything. Nope. Other than 
we the reveal of May being in showbiz when she's so against it. Stupid. The reveal that she is some sort of Spanish person when yeah. she's so against Rosie, but she doesn't say anything like, well, this is why. Like, I lived in showbiz, and that's why I didn't want you to get into it, because it's a terrible... I didn't want that for you. Or yeah. I saw the racism toward me, and I didn't want that for you. Like, she doesn't yeah. explain it. It just... If anything, it just makes her also She's a terrible. worse person. Well, I'm like, in a way where, and like... a hypocrite. She gets, she gets her dues a little bit in the first show, because um, she insists that... Rose call her Mrs. Peterson. Right. And then when they get engaged, Rosie's like, call me Mrs. Peterson. And it's like a very thing where she right. gets like slapped in the face and it's funny. No. And I feel like this is the same like attempt at like, hey, May, you're still terrible. We're going to slap you in the face some more. And here's the thing. We don't have the full script. So maybe she does allude to something like that. We just don't know. I guess. But I, well, I'm going to guess in the a answer way, is no. Well, just in a way where like, what's the lesson learned? She, nothing. There's she's no terrible. lesson learned. <laughs> now she's worse because she's a hypocrite. Yeah. Um... Yeah, what a... Okay, and then Conrad also is like, I'm back... Here's the thing. You can't have two reveals. No. You either have to have Conrad be like, I'm not doing it, and then, like, the reveal would be he gets elected president or something. Sure. The You can't have two reveals where he's like, I, too, will also sing a song. That's just basically watching a concert at the end of this show. Mm-hmm. It feels like dumb. it is. Yeah, they, I don't... I don't know. It's weird. Okay. So weird. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is Cheetah Rivera was nominated for a Tony for yeah. this show. For this show? Yes. For Bye Bye Birdie or Bring Back Birdie? No, for Bring Back Birdie. Get out of town. Correct. Are you for real? Yes. So Stop. that is one of those things where that's maybe how much Broadway loves Cheetah Rivera. I mean, truly. Is that they're like, oh yeah. my God, well, it only played for four shows, but she is she was so, like, so good. We love her. I guess we just need to, let's just nominate her. It'll be fine. Uh, everyone else can just burn in a trash heap of this show <laughs> but you remember like let's get her out there y'all here we go yeah you're right that's what it says oh my god that's yeah, dude. bananas oh cheetah here's the thing she is phenomenal so like understandable but but what no but in a way where were there no other shows released that year apparently not right it was like, like this and nothing else. where they were like oh man we only got the one show to nominate so uh you know i i guess that's fine let's see <laughs> Uh, what else was released that year? No, I'm looking. Uh, I think, well, it's just one of those things where, like, what? What? Why? Uh, okay, 19, let's see, where's the nominees? So, 1980, 34th Annual Tony Awards, mm-hmm. would, it, do you, would it have been, well, I guess I'll find out here. Um, I was going to say, would it be 1980 or 1981? So Good potentially, <laughs> delete this out if I'm wrong. Um, well, okay, if it helps, this musical opened on Broadway in '81. Oh, oh, in '81, so that March potentially it would have been '82. Yeah, because it opened that. in March of '81, and the Tonys sure. are usually in the year. Yeah, and they're it would well, and June. it would have been eligible for the '81 Tonys. It would have been eligible for '82. Okay, yeah. so 1982. Okay. Um. No, uh, friggin', it's the year that Dreamgirls, <laughs> Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh my god. And then Pump, Pump Boys and the Dinettes. I don't know what that is. But, oh, that's a cute show. But Nine won for Best Musical. Naturally. Which I potentially agree with. Um, let's see. Here is who was... <laughs> is it a thing where they were like, listen, Cheetah. Oh Sheeta. no, she's not... It was all Jennifer Holiday all day long as Effie and Dreamgirls. Of course. But... 
She did not show up on this. So she's not showing up as nominated? No, but it did say she's nominated. Hold on. That's Yeah, that's what it says here. Well, I wonder if it you was like a going. thing where they were like, um, listen, Cheetah, we realized that... Oh, no. Well, no, that's Merlin. She was She was also... She was nominated for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, Got it. Let me, let me, maybe it was 81. Jeez Louise. Um, was it a thing where they were like, hey, uh, Cheetah, listen, we know that this... Musical is god awful, but you have taken it and done some very nice oh, no. things. But anyway, here it is, nineteen eighty one. So let's see. Uh, no, see, there wasn't anything. So uh, in nineteen eighty one, best musical was Forty Second Street, oh, but okay. also nominated was Sophisticated Ladies, Tin Types, and Woman of the Year. What? Are so those? I don't know any. <laughs> I've never heard of any of those. Okay, honestly. fine, 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 fine. Um. Uh, let's see. That's a play. Hold on. Best Performing Leading Actress in a Musical, Lauren Bacall for Woman of the Year as Tess Harding, um, Meg Bussert for Brigadoon, Mm -hmm. Cheetah for Bring Back Birdie, and then Linda Ronstadt for The Pirates of Penzance. What? I didn't know she was in Pirates. That's nice. Sure. But in a way where Kevin Klein won the Tony that year for Pirates. Um, Good for you, Kevin Klein. No, like, so in a fun way, no, there was nothing that year other than 42nd Street and then Woman of the Year, which I have heard of, but certainly is not one that gets done and hasn't, I don't think has been revived, but. Yeah. Um, it was so a that, dry so, year for musical theater. Yes, that's why she got it. I mean, here's the thing. She is amazing and would go on to be nominated two years later for Merlin, but like, yeah. truly, that would be why she got nominated. Well, that, and like I said, like, maybe it's like, the, we know that the material is that bad that, like, you've done some nice things with it anyway, so, like, here's a bone because we're sorry we put you through this nonsense. <laughs> sure. Sure. Where they're like, we can't take this, we can't give you this time back, but, like, here's a, here's a Tony nom- yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> sure. In which, obviously, 42nd Street really kind of dominated choreography and best musical. And then it was a real wash between everything else. Like, Pirates won stuff. Sophisticated Ladies won. I mean, it's definitely, like, it was kind of a smorgasbord all around there. That's bananas, man. All right. Oh, so that's Bring Back Birdie. Uh, listen, Downstage Left fam, if you have seen this show, read sure. this show, listened to this show, like, please tell us about it. I need been to in know. It? Yeah, if you've been in it, I want to hear about your experience because... What is this nonsense? Okay. Uh, if you had to rate the show in number of uh, punk rock bass <laughs> solos, <laughs> what what would you give it? Oh, my God. Like a two or like, or lower. Like everything measures, about this. Like a two measure bass solo. It's a two measure bass solo. Okay. Just one lick. That's it. It's so weird. I mean, the, the, the attempt to- two whole to, notes? Two <laughs> That's the bass solo. Okay. Whole, and then the rest of the song starts, but we don't want the rest of the song. It's that. Okay. Just, like, everything about, like, the, the, the attempt at the formula, the the terrible character development, I'm uh Well, this I'm is upset. maybe, I'm going to say, too, this is maybe why sequels don't happen in musical theater very often, because the magic sauce that makes the first one an amazing time, Yeah. You can, it cannot be replicated. No. It just doesn't get replicated well. And when you start looking at sequels... And like I said, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this because we for sure in a future episode we'll cover uh, Love Never Dies. But like even Grease Two, which is one of my favorite movies, I think it's hilarious, starring a young Michelle Pfeiffer, um, and just a dreamy time. Uh, like it is essentially the first movie, yeah, told from the woman's point of view, and that's what ends up happening. I think with these is like you just end up retreading because you're trying to capture that magic. And it's like, you either have to, to, in my opinion, you either have to go 
like all a, a complete different way so yeah. that it's something totally different or you really probably just shouldn't do it. Yes. Because even continuation, <laughs> like this is a 20 year later continuation, but it's still just the same thing. Yeah. 20 years later. So Th- these uh, characters have learned nothing. No. They have they're, done they're, no growth. the same. Yeah. Um, all the same nonsense. I would say I would give it, uh, you cut the bass entirely and you make it yeah. like <laughs> a piano solo. Sure. I, I agree with that. Like I, mm. Yeah, no, I would say four performances probably was generous, it feels like. So. Sure, then it made it through previews, yeah. even. Um, so I, I would give it that. So, uh, well, thank you for taking us down. Um, Can I just, I want to come I back mean, to, like... I don't like, even know what to call this. <laughs> no, no, this, I got it. This path. Is that I, I want to incorporate somehow the, the belch that that we all recognize kind sure. of Red Bird because, like... What is that? Well, again, that's my one takeaway. Conrad Bernie's belch. Again, that's one of those things where <laughs> if you did not see the first one, you don't get you it. You would no. not have any idea what's going on. Or even if you did see the first one, like it's a funny moment, but it is like a little tiny baby moment within, yeah, like many funny things that happen in that show. And like I remember it because uh, when I did this with the high school, which is also why I said pop and not beer because I did it. In oh, because you guys did yeah. pop, yeah. Um, I re- the only reason why I even remember that is because the kid I think who playing it like could do it, but like it's hard to have to like burp on it cue. Is. It's very um, and to make. I mean, like the and also not just burp, but like a long like burpy sound. Yeah, and so that is why I remember. It. I'm gonna tell you if I were just a theater goer came to see it i would find that funny but it would not be a plot point that sticks with me as a recognizable character trait (laughs) and that's how they recognize him not because like they know what his voice sounds like or you know his other thing they're just just the belt what uh listen (laughs) even if you put on like a few pounds as someone who just uh like went to a high school reunion recently a 20 20 years. years okay right so i recognize there are some people that i was like wow we have all changed bigger smaller whatever but everybody was still very recognizable yeah like, nobody changed enough where i was like oh my god uh, well, if you who work is with that person like, like what's going on get out that's what i'm saying no. so uh i just feel like that's some real fun nonsense for <laughs> someone who was like burp jokes are hilarious let's put another one in yeah um i hate them i think they're dumb no, okay very stupid uh well I think uh, what a fun deep dive into potentially a sequel that should never have been made. Never. It did garner Colchita a nice, <laughs> uh, a nice, a, a Tony nom. So We're good sorry, for her. <laughs> but I think that is, I think that's going to do it. And I think exit left pursued by a burp. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Pursued by a burp. That, that was the dumbest fucking I thing know. I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so